grill that has the brakes on. <laughs> hey, you guys, grab your Bibles and turn to Hebrews 4. And grab your Bibles, Hebrews 4. And I just want to take a brief moment to describe how we can release, how we are to release a greater river of the grace of God through our human spirit. And the Lord has been emphasizing this theme of grace in our body because grace is one of the biggest words in Scripture to cover all the goodness of God released from the throne of God. So the goodness of God, the gift of God, all the fruit of the Spirit, the wisdom of the Spirit, the revelation of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, that's all wrapped up in the grace of God. And it says that we reign in life, Romans 5, 17, we reign in life by receiving grace and the gift of righteousness. So receiving grace is one of the top priorities of a Spirit-filled believer. The art of receiving grace is what I want to talk about today. The dynamics of receiving grace. What needs to happen in order to appropriate the greatest amount of grace in our life? Now, the emphasis today is on the grace of God that flows from within us, in our heart. Because if we don't win there, we're going to win nowhere else. If we try to get grace from the outside in, before we get grace from the inside out, we're going to operate in a spirit of religion. And um, uh, we were talking the other day in the core leaders meeting, we're saying some people, they try to get grace to come on them financially, you know, heal me, rescue me, save me, fix me, get my life better. And most people have tried to create a formula for getting grace on them and what they want is Christian magic. They want, they want God to fix them from the outside in first. So they try to find the formula. I got it. The word faith movement has really drifted a lot into the formula, formulaic religion. Meaning if I just sow money, if I just show up at the right meetings, if I do the right things, if I pray the right way, God, I want you to come on me and fix me externally. Get my situation better off. Get my body better. Get my relationships better. Get my health better. Get my money better. And you know what? God's into all that, by the way. God is, it's not like He doesn't want to bless us externally. He really does. But His top priority is to get grace to flow from within us, first and foremost. And... When the grace of God flows from inside us, that's the river of living water described in John 7. Those who hunger and thirst for me, it says in John 7, rivers, plural, of living water will flow out of their innermost being. So the, the primary emphasis of heaven is to get the grace of God to flow first and foremost from the inside out. Then to get the grace of God to flow between us relationally so that we're properly related in divine order and then thirdly he does want to bless our lives for sure he wants us to bless us with gifts of transportation of, of people of health but a lot of people they just want an outer fix without doing the internal homework 
of coming into receiving this gift of grace by faith. So we want to make sure that as an apostolic tribe, as a people, we do our homework and we operate in divine order. And in divine order, God looks first and foremost on the heart and the way the heart is, alt the way the heart is adjusted before the Lord. How many of you know what I'm saying is makes, making sense? In other words, you can have God's grace come on you to fix one of your problems, but still be filled with a root of bitterness and be an angry, hurt person on the inside. And you can say, well, you know, God's blessed me with this, this, and this, but inside you're miserable. You're not happy. You're not full of joy. You're lonely. You're frustrated. You're irritated. So your interior atmosphere is not like heaven. It's actually like hell, but externally you've got good things. Now here's the crazy part. You can have good things externally and miss the story altogether because internally you're miserable. And I've seen a lot of people that have been blessed externally, but they don't see it as a blessing because internally they're all jacked up. They're, wa they're warped with orphanness and daddy wounds and mommy wounds. They're warped on the inside so the way life hits them on the outside doesn't land on their heart. So they're miserable. And it's like, why would you be miserable, for goodness sake? You're wonderful. You're beautiful. You've got all this. They say, yeah, but I'm miserable. And so they keep begging God for an external fix when in reality they need an internal heart adjustment, an internal faith adjustment to upgrade where they're, how they're operating with the Lord on the inside. Now the Lord dwells in our hearts, it says in Ephesians 3. Jesus Christ took up residency in our human spirit. So the biggest work he wants to do is internal. So the game is played first here in the kingdom. The kingdom, the kingdom needs to be, the, the kingdom is within us. That's what it says in the Gospels. Then the kingdom is between us. And no question, Christ wants to connect us at the body level well. And then the kingdom is around us externally. But the battle we want to win is internal. So here are, I'm going to give you a few keys today on how to win the internal battle that unleashes a greater current of grace in your life. How would you like that? Keys to unleash the river of grace from the inside out. That's what I'm going for today. So I'm in Hebrews 4. And it says, Therefore, while the promise of entering His rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Now he's talking about the promised land as an allegory. And he's saying that you can enter the promised land of God, but the way you do it is by entering His rest, which is called faith. You rest in the promise of God, not strive, not earn it. You faith your way into grace. Uh, you don't strive or, or, or uh, achieve your way into grace. And so he's saying, you enter the promised land through the doorway of rest. What a contradiction. And he said, um, for good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. I'm in Hebrews 4, now in verse 2. So the gospel of grace came to the people of Israel and to the church. 
But it says they did not mix that gospel of grace with faith. They did not tap the grace of the indwelling Christ by faith because they were preoccupied with a whole bunch of other things. And they missed the unleashing of the grace of God on the inside of their human spirit because they didn't access it by grace, by faith. So that here they were believers, but they were in inner turmoil, inner frustration, inner angst and anguish. How many of you have ever been a believer with those emotions in your life? Thank you for being honest. Of course, all of you. You can be a believer, have Christ dwell in your heart, but miss the grace of God because you're not accessing it by faith. And we're going to keep going on this. So it says, For we have believed, we who have believed have entered that rest. No, the way you enter is through believing. Alright, so I'm going to drop down um, to verse 7. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. Wow! In other words, the place of victory comes to the degree that your heart is softened and opened and connected. The hardness of heart is, in a manif- is manifested through unbelief and bitterness and human effort. So our problem is the hardening of the arteries or hardening of the heart. It's the hardening of the heart. It, you get my point? There's heart work to be done in this family. And God wants us to do this heart work for a breakthrough. Alright? Because when the breakthrough hits, you're going to know because a spirit of rest or shalom is flowing through your human spirit. You're going to experience peace, righteousness, and joy in the Holy Spirit when you access the Prince of Peace who rules in your heart. So what would happen if we had 25 unified believers, sons and daughters of God, overflowing with the effervescent affection and love and joy of the Lord? Do you think that that would upstage all the marijuana dispensaries that are in Colorado? Do you think that if we walked around effusing the life of Christ, the joy of the Lord, and the oil of gladness, and we were intoxicated in the joy of the Lord, and we had the shalom, the peace of God, blowing out of our human spirit, and affection flying out, do you think that we would make the world jealous? I think so. That's what God's after. He's after you being the happiest person on earth from the inside out. That's the goal of heaven for you. And that's how we want to tap this. So notice this. The word is, the, the, the game is played in the heart, but when is the time that you do this? What, at what moment does this happen? The Holy Spirit's wishing through. When, when does this happen? It says, today, in the present. Okay, so the, one of the keys that unlocks the flow of grace is that we live in the present. His mercies are new every morning. Now here's, the, here's what hell wants to do. Hell wants you to live in the yesterday. Just cycle and obsess over how many people screwed your life up yesterday. Think about all the damage that's been done 
yesterday. If I can get you into yesterday, then you're gonna then you're gonna avoid today. And the devil doesn't want you to get into the now. Why? Because you can only exercise faith now. Now is the only time you can do faith. Faith is irrelevant yesterday. You can't do a thing about yesterday. So you can't put faith into yesterday. You can't access grace yesterday. Grace is now. Faith is now. It's not in the future. Now there's nothing wrong to have hope. Hope is a picture of a positive future. Hope gives us a compass. It gives us a map, a road map of where we're going. Nothing wrong with hope. Hope is good. Vision is good. Alright? But you don't access grace in the future. By thinking about what could be and what will be. And well, oh my gosh. And so that's why Jesus says, don't stop worrying about tomorrow for God's sake. You're all verklempt about, you're all upset, you're all nervous and irritated about whether you're going to pay your bills tomorrow. Listen, you can't do a thing about tomorrow. Stop it! That's what he says, stop it! He's saying that to the apostles who envision the future. Yeah, he was, stop it. yeah, stop it! Mono is being prophetic right now and he's coming back on the apostle of the work. Lest you missed the moment, he was rebuking his best friend in the room. Yes, I loved it. This, he put his finger on one of my biggest problems. And the reason I know this is a problem... And he's no, with, with, with shameless joy... He unwrapped and exposed me with shameless joy. Now, no, actually, my problem is both. I can get cycling and obsessingly cycling in they done me wrong in yesterday. And I can get preoccupied with a vision of tomorrow. And that is one of the biggest detriments of an apostolic gift is their faith. They have faith, hope, gift, faith, vision, gift. They can see tomorrow and it's as real as, the, as today. So they can live in the, in the tomorrow and not enjoy the today. And if there's any biggest mistake, I've made a lot of big ones, this is a big one. And that's why Mono can laugh around and kid with me because, because it's true. I know what I'm talking about. I have missed so much grace because of how sad I've been about what happened in yesterday and how preoccupied I am with tomorrow that I have missed the grace of the now. And the only time you can get the grace is now. And so because we miss the grace of the now because we're obsessed and preoccupied with what, what grace we wish we would have had yesterday and what grace we hope we're going to get tomorrow. And so we miss the moment. And Jesus said, today! Today! And I tell you what, if you could take one thing away from this moment, this teaching. Don't underestimate the word today. Now. Now. So, sometimes my life, I've got a lot of warfare, spiritual battles that I'm fighting on behalf of a lot of people. And I see a lot of things, and I'm responsible for a lot of things, and a lot of people, and that's not a big deal. You know, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. It's, like, it's not like poor me. I, I, it, it's no more burdensome than yours. In other words, I'm operating in a grace that God's given me. 
But there's a lot of things I got to think about all at the same time. All right, now listen to this. I wake up from my nap a lot of times. Like I'll take a nap now and then because it's... Because you get up at five in the morning. Yeah, because I get up really early and I go to bed really late. So I take a nap sometimes. But when I get up from the nap, a lot of times I wake up with a heavy weight of oppression on my life, on my soul. And I don't... I don't understand it. So, in other words, it's like, oh my gosh, I wake up in the, I don't wake up in the spirit. I wake up in the natural and I'm thinking about the list of things I got to do and there's a weight on my soul. Now, because I knew what I was going to talk about today, normally I'm, I go back into thinking I'm sad about yesterday and I'm preoccupied with tomorrow. And I said, Lord, I need grace now. Show, open my eyes to see grace now. Not after I get my list done. Not after I get this thing achieved. Now. I need grace now. Alright? I couldn't hear what was going on in the house. I couldn't because I was preoccupied with my, my list of tomorrow to-dos. Until I repented. I repented. And, guess what happened? All of a sudden, I heard the sound of heaven wafting through the door of my, our bedroom, and Janet was singing. She had earplugs on. She didn't know I could hear. She's singing to the worship song in the house, and the presence of the Lord is all over the home, and my wife is up there weeping, worshiping, and the sound of heaven comes through the door. I couldn't hear it before, because I was so preoccupied with my problems of tomorrow and my sadness of yesterday, I could not hear today the now. All of a sudden, the Lord goes, take a moment and think about that. You've got a wife up there worshiping me right now and the presence of the Lord is in the room. And the next thing you know, two or three other little tickles and kisses came from heaven right now, right then. And I went, all i got to do is freely receive the grace of God now. That's it. Freely receive, freely give. Notice that? Jesus said, go out and go all the world and heal the sick and cast out demons. And, but He goes, freely receive, freely give. And so the Lord goes, now, right now, your job is to freely receive my grace. Your job is to receive and not to give out. And I went, but I'm a giver-outer. I'm a son of a dysfunctional home. I'm a rescuer. My default is to go give out, not take in. I don't know how to receive. Receiving is embarrassing. Receiving is awkward. Receiving means I'm not in control. Receiving means I'm completely dependent on someone else. And I'm not so awesome. I'm a little child. And he goes, exactly. You want to you win in this thing called the Christian life? then here's what you do. You become a little child and your first assignment is to receive my grace right here, right now, period. That's what you got. You got it now. All you need for now is all you, all you need, you got right now. I'm not, well, what about tomorrow? What about my bills tomorrow? He says, oh, shh, shh, stop it. Have you missed that many meals in your lifetime, Tim? Really look at me. <laughs> Have, have I not been there? Have I not? When you needed transportation, did I not come through? 
when I when you needed this, when you needed that, did I not? So shh, 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 stop. Now. Now. Now, Grace. Stop your stinking worrying and planning. And access my grace by faith now. And the current of the Spirit. All of a sudden, that funky stuff that you were talking about, that funky oppression, that, oh my God, I got a list to do, and oh, oh, oh my life. Gone. I said, God, when it comes time for me to write the next chapter of the book, or to do this, or this the grace will be there when it's time. When it's time. The food will be there when it's time. The people will be there when it's time. But right now, I'm going to tap your grace by faith now. Now how do you do that? You come, it says in Romans or Hebrews 4, it says, verse 16, Let us therefore then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. When's the time of need? Is it yesterday? No. Is it tomorrow? No. no! Now! He's not obligated to answer your needs a year from now, or six months from now, or six minutes from now. It's now. In the spirit realm, faith is always now. Hope is future. Faith is now. Now you're sitting in these chairs. You're faithing in the chair right now. You're underneath this architectural construction. You're faithing in the architect, the blueprint, and the building code of the city. You're faithing in the roof won't cave in. You're faithing now. The minute you get out of that chair, you're not faithing anymore. In the, in the chair or in the home. The minute you get in your car, and put, turn the gas on and press the, ga the gasoline, you're faithing. But you're not faithing in the car now. You're only faithing when you're in the car faithing. You're only faithing now. And it's a verb. It's a verb. It's a, it's a trusting in the grace of God. And Jesus is grace. So you're trusting in a person, not in a theory. And either the person is real, or he's not real. There's no in-between. Either Jesus is a being that's real and He's resurrected and inside you, or He isn't. But you can't have, He's kind of a theory, He's ethereal, He's a good doctrine. Either Jesus is grace, and Jesus is there, and Jesus is real, and you can access Him by, by faith, or He isn't. There's no in-between. You guys got that? So faith is now. We faith into grace. Grace is now, and grace is a person. And we go before the throne of grace, not based upon whether you're in a good mood, whether you've sinned or not sinned, whether you've got a bad attitude or a not a bad attitude, whether you've you know, just done something horrific or not. You go before the throne of grace now, based on the blood of Jesus and not on your works. Not on your performance. Not on your intelligence. Not on nothing. But the blood of Jesus and the finished work of the cross 
you go before that throne of grace and you get the mercy and you get the power you need to live now a pure and clean life and a holy life. Grace makes you holy, not striving. By the way, grace is never a license to sin. Actually, grace is the only power you have not to not sin. So, Christianity is not sin management. Christianity is not being good. Christianity is accessing a person whose power flows through you so that you live a supernatural life. You can't be a Christian. Only Christ can be a Christian in you and you access the indwelling Christ by faith now. Do you need more love? Well, you got all the love in the world inside of you. His name is Jesus. And you can tap this love if you go to Him. Now, finally, one of the greatest things we've got to do in order to unleash the river of grace flowing through our human spirit is we need to activate forgiveness. Forgiveness is, is basically ceasing to be the judge and releasing people from our judgments and our condemnation, placing them in the hands of God and, and wiping the slate clean from what they did to us. Now that doesn't mean you have to like them. Doesn't mean you have to trust them. Doesn't mean you have to be palsy-wowsy. And it doesn't even mean the relationship will be reconciled. But, forgiving God, forgiving yourself, forgiving people, reopens the channel of divine flow and allows the river of God to flow through you. Now, you know you're in grace when the fruit of the Spirit is the foremost emotion in your life. One of the signs that you know you're in the grace of God is rest. It's called rest. Shalom. And when the rest of heaven is in your spirit, you know that you're touching grace. And that rest never needs to leave you. So the evidence that the grace of God is flowing is that your spirit man is relieved from the hurt of bitterness. It's re there's relief. Oh, I'm, I'm done in the courtroom of life obsessing around what they did to me. Oh, I'm done. And a lot of times, in order to get that relief, we have to fall in a heap of weariness from striving to fix everything. Now, I'm talking about myself here. I'm a fixer. And I want to I figure out a way to fix every problem. Because I don't like broken relationships. I don't like problems. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a professional fixer. I like to solve problems. I like to analyze them, diagnose them, figure them out what's the problem, and then go in and help everybody get, get, get right. And, like, and the Lord has to say, well, you can't even fix yourself. And when I try to fix Janet, it never goes well. <laughs> Janet here let me fix you so condescending and so patronizing Janet's just opening her heart and I'm like oh got it figured out got it sized up got it diagnosed here we go Janet this is what you need and she's like I'm going to kill you <laughs> I'm going to kill you why because that's an insult 
I'm taking over God's job. And I'm, and I'm condescending to think, well, you and God can't work this out. You need me, the great rescuer, to fix you. Like, what would you do without me? And the Lord goes, please, would you resign that arrogant attitude you have and let me be Jesus to Janet and just listen to her, let her open her heart, let her and Jesus work this out, and just ask good questions. Ask good questions and let, let the Holy Spirit and Janet wrestle through some of this stuff. And you just listen and let the grace of God do its thing. And then, bada bing, bada boom, God gets the glory and not Tim. It's like, wow. Didn't realize I was upstaging Jesus. Not a good idea. Okay, so let's summarize. Let's summarize and then we're going to pray. Grace is when? Now. Now. Faith is when? Now. now. What is grace? Jesus. Jesus. That's the best way to define grace. When you get Jesus, do you get everything? Yeah. When you get Jesus, you get everything. Because Jesus is healing. Jesus is resources. Jesus is power. Jesus is wisdom. Jesus is revelation. Jesus is love. Jesus is joy. When you get Jesus... You get all of that other Jesus stuff. How do you access Jesus? By what? By the rest of faith. You rest. You wake. And what is your job today? Your first and foremost job is to do what? Believe and receive. Believe and receive. Now. The now grace of God. You believe and you see. Now this is not just a theory. This is the mechanism in the kingdom of God that, that, that this is the relational mechanism that God set up for all of us. See, everybody thinks grace is just this good entity out there. But grace is the mechanism by which we relate to God. In other words, there's no other way. There's no plan B. There's no religious option that we can invent to keep the rules and to be good, to come up with changing the equation. See, God did that equation for thousands of years with the Jewish people. Here's the law. Here's what you do. Now bust your buns to do it. And none of them could do it. And it was the backdrop, the schoolmaster, the taskmaster, to drive us into the arms of Jesus. Religion is a very tiring way to live. Would you guys agree with that? That's a very tiring, emotionally draining way to live. And take it from me, most of my gray hairs have come, not just because of aging and the falling out, because I have, I have mixed grace with human effort and striving. I've worked way too hard, and God has resisted me it's painful to see. As much grace is operating in the Tarak tribe, I guarantee you, much of what, where we, we could, you know, I'm not trying to look back and say, oh, we could have been, but I'm saying so much of my life has been resisted by God because I added Tim Power to the equation. Because that's how I was raised. You know, you get the vision, and then you go work your tail off and get her done. That's the John's way.
And God says, I resist the proud, Tim. And that's proud. You really honestly think you, Tim Johns, are going to bring the kingdom on earth. Really? That is the height of arrogance. You think you're going you're gonna to hear my wineskin, you're going to get revelation, and then you're going to go work, and you're going to change the human heart and get people all collected in microchurches, and everything's going to be working great, and the world's going to change? Really? You think that's going to happen? Do you know how jacked up every single person is on the earth? Do you know how demonized and arrogant and hurt and offended every human being? You're going to get a bunch of orphans into a small group and get them to be happy? Like you are that good? You can't even get yourself happy. I'm like, you are asking me to be a part of a miracle. He goes, got it, bingo. There's not a thing you can do. Nothing except cooperate and participate with my grace. That's what you get to do. What is your, my job, Jesus says, is grace, which is pretty much everything. <laughs> your job is faith. Let's repeat that. God says, my job is to provide the grace, the presence, the power, the love, the glory, the pre all that. My job is grace. How's that, Tim? And I bring, I bring it. I bring all of it. Guess what your job is? Faith. <laughs> it's like, and 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 you got to start out with all the good stuff. You get to freely receive it. I don't even want you freely giving it. I want you freely receiving it first. Your job is to receive all that good stuff first because if you don't receive it, then you'll get arrogant. So your job is to receive. Like all this good stuff I have for you, you have to receive it. I force you to receive all my goodness. It's like, huh, wow. Because unless you freely receive it, then you can't freely give it because there'll be a hook. There'll be strings attached. There'll be manipulation in it. And there'll be personal credit that you take for it. So your job is to access my grace by faith freely now and receive it. And then in the overflow of your receiving and you're so happy and you're so overwhelmed with my goodness, then if something leaks out of your spirit in the overflow of your life, that's what we'll call ministry. Holy moly, are you kidding me? No burnout. No tiredness. I mean, yeah, physic you can be physically tired, but not internally stressed. There's a good physical tiredness that comes from cooperating with the Lord, but it's not inward weariness or inward stress. Now, does this sound like a fun way to live? Does this sound like good news? Just, to, mm -hmm. just pull, I'm going to pull you. Does this sound like almost too good to be true news? <laughs> Bringing heaven on earth? This is why it's called the gospel. And anything beneath this, any hamburger helper of religion, it voids the deal. It voids it. Because the minute you add effort, you void the equation of faith by grace. So God is going to resist you. I'm sorry. He is just going to resist you. Why is He going to resist you? Because He hates religion. So if you wonder, am I being resisted by the Lord? 
You might ask that question. I have been, not because he doesn't like me, but because he's not going to let me get the glory. And he's not going to let me reinvent a religion. A do-good, Tim-based religion. So I have, God's had to resist me, not because he doesn't like me, but because he doesn't like religion. And he goes, Tim, when are you going to get it through your new, thick, knuckle-headed soul that I hate religion and I love grace and I love faith? The only thing it says in the Bible that pleases God is what? Faith. That's the only thing that pleases him. Because that's the only thing he wants. That's the only thing you can give him is faith. Now, beloved, this is gospel teaching. This is gospel preaching. Do you get it? And no one's going to go off the deep end and use this gospel as an excuse to go sin and get lazy because God's going to say, hey, wait a minute, i got all the grace in the world. You aren't accessing it by faith. Your job, you know, stop your unbelief and get back into doing your work, which is to believe me. So get back into faith. Get back into faith. So it's both and. But, it's, but the grace message isn't, quote, balanced in the sense that it's not grace plus works. It's all grace and it's all faith. And there's nothing balanced about that. <laughs> it's radical faith that taps radical grace. But you see what I'm saying? It's pure grace, nothing balanced about it. No added hamburger helper. It's pure grace, but it is accessed by pure faith. And both of them are radical. Both of them are intense. Both of them are amazing. And God wants to build a tribe on the gospel of grace by faith. That's what God wants. Starting with you. You get the fun of living this way. I get the fun of living this way, which I haven't always lived. So I'm repenting in front of you. And that's why we're going slow in this family. This is unlike me. I would have had buildings and bands and this and that. And Mono and Lori and Janet are the three people that know full well that this is very untim-like what is going on. Can I say something? Yes. I think it's very tim-like. Well, thank you. Because thank you. It's very tim-like because it's very Jesus-like. Yeah. Yeah. If it's dead, it's dead. Right. You don't have to keep going. Are you sure? Are you sure it's right. not really dead? Because God doesn't care that, that that thing is dead. And so now God is going, This is the Tim in Jesus yep. that I see. Yeah. And one of the things that oh, did you guys catch when Tim was storying at the beginning here of the journey of where he was at? God gave him a visual to share, which is very much in the apostolic and the prophetic. God gives visuals of a journey and asking the Lord this week to give you your own story so that you can story this with other people, not Tim's story, not Mono's story, not Janet's story of it, but your story this week of that grace of where grace is. And it's not to make sure that this thing is dead over here. It's dead. I'm sorry. You guys ever seen something that's dead? There's no getting it back without a ton of work. And it's doesn't work and it doesn't work. And you don't have to keep making sure the dang thing is dead. (laughs) <laughs> and so it's like I want to reinforce that yeah. this is you because yeah. that part 
is dead. Yeah, so that means so much to me coming from you. And it is true. It was, it was my storyline of growth. And that part is me. I, 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 my, that part has died, and that's why I am operating in grace and faith, and I don't have to build the church. And that part is the yesterday. It is the yesterday. My learning... Not my, having to rehearse it. Right. And not going, oh, but what are we going to do? Because it's this grace. This is very much what Tim's just sharing. Is this, whole, this whole thing, part of that banter at the beginning, too, was that because of this is where you are today, because of grace... And none of this other stuff matters. And there's a story that everybody's going to have to tell this week of where that is for you. Now that is profound. What Lori said was so profound, I don't, I want to just, we're going to rest on this. In other words, you can, you should have and can have, not should, it sounds like a law, but you get to have all day long, a testimony of the grace of God that you access by faith. And you could come in here next week spilling over with grace story because you accessed it by faith if your eyes are opened to what God's doing. So when you, when you reassess your life through the lens of grace, suddenly everything changes. Now you're more thankful. And you, you, you interpret life differently. We had David rehearse his life over the last four years because you know, they just had their four-year wedding anniversary. Congratulations. <laughs> what an achievement. And what has happened in the Dimmon family in four years is nothing short of mir miraculous. But you know what? If you're in the moment and you're grinding away outside the revelation of grace, it feels like all oh, this work. But if you look back and go, God took me in a river of grace. You know, they bought two homes in four years. They've had two babies in four years. They've had job promotions. They've had friendships. They've had huge amounts of grace. When you look back on it, it's like, what just hit me? Now we become worshipers and worship leaders. But it's flowing from out of a revelation of grace and out of kindness and mercy and, and not some imposed gift and role. It's coming out of a response to grace out of the Spirit. Is that making sense? And so we are going to be a supernatural, we are a supernatural story. This room is filled with people that have been collected sovereignly by God to have a supernatural story both individually and collectively. Because God's into family stories, not just individual ones. So we have a family story that is so staggering, but it's all grace. And I'm changing by grace. And you're changing by grace. But the only thing that's going to change you is the grace of God. It's the supernatural influence of heaven. It's that lubricating influence of Jesus Christ flowing from the inside out that you've accessed by faith. Are there any questions that you might have right now, this minute, about grace and faith and what, what's being said? You want to add anything? Does this sound exciting? Yeah. Liberating. Liberating, isn't it? It, it, it? His yoke is easy and his burden is light. So now remember this. All through you and all around you, you are being canopied in the grace of God. You are being bombarded a million times a second with the grace of God. Every breath you take, 
every drink of water you have, every hug from a friend. If you get the eyes that look for grace, you'll see grace everywhere. If you are in the eye, with the eyes of striving and surviving and making life happen, you'll see grace nowhere. That's what I'm trying to tell you. If you get a new set of eyes, and that's what I'm going to pray for, you will see grace everywhere you look, all the time, a thousand times a second, a million times a second. God is bombarding you with grace inside, around you, and you know, between us and around you. Right now, simultaneously, at the same time, grace is hitting your life. Right now, this second. You know what I just heard the Lord say when you said, I'm going to pray that you have the eyes. Uh -huh. He says, you have the eyes. It's what you're going to look at. Oh. You already have the eyes to see it. It's what are you going to focus with those eyes on. It's like a line I heard this week. You were so engrossed in your pain, the Lord says, you couldn't see me moving and trying to help you in your pain. Right. So that's why it says in Hebrews 12, gaze on Jesus. Gaze on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. The more you gaze on grace, you absorb what you look at. So, Janet, you're right. That was a phenomenal tweak. We do have the eyes to see if we'll gaze on Christ and note that all that good... All, it says in James, all good things come from heaven. So if it's good, it's from God. Devil bad, God good. That's good theology. Devil bad, God good. And all good things come from heaven. All the time, all day long, it's all from God. If it's good, if it's, it's from God. It's not just a happenstance moment where creation served you. It's God giving you good. Do you have those eyes to see it? That's what it says in James. All good things come from heaven. If it's good, it came from God. How many of you are being blasted with goodness even as we sit in this room? Just hearing this is good. It's awesome. It's liberating. So, one thing that God is telling me while we were in worship that definitely aligns with this is that every hug I've received, every kiss that my son gives me, every smile I get from a stranger on the street, everything, yeah. every, everything that makes my heart smile comes from him first. Yep. Every time that Kellen reaches out and, and just, you know, holds my hand or, or anything, <laughs> um, it comes... We're, I'm oh, thank, thank you. We're building a bridge. Uh, it comes from God first. Yeah. And, and that's not just for me. Every time that you guys look outside and the sky is blue and it makes you smile or it's weather that you like or, it, you know, somebody gives you a hug or mm -hmm. somebody... Everything, everything mm -hmm. that is good in our life is from God. Not, not just the big things. Yep. Not just the miracles, not just the babies. It's everything that makes you smile is from him. That is the gospel. So let's stand and let's pray for this release of increased revelation in the gospel of grace. And if you have a prayer, that would be cool. Miss, Miss Janet.
Father, thank you for giving us the eyes to see. Mm -hmm. Help turn our heads and our hearts when we're focusing on the wrong thing. You want to give us good things. You want to talk to us throughout the day. Help our focus be on the right thing. I just pray grace and mercy over all of us. Soften our hearts if there's any hardening in areas of our lives that's been painful. I pray for a, a new level of faith to be released. Lord, we, we hear you through this message and we say yes, we accept it. We want this. We want more. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.